0: Alright, John chapter 20, we're going to look uh, in verse uh, 6, and honestly, uh, the first about nine verses are really uh, dedicated to uh, this, um, uh, really kind of revolve around, uh, our miracle for today. Uh, again, we've been looking over the last, uh, today makes number five, uh, been looking at uh, the six miracles uh, of Calvary. It's based on a, uh, a little booklet uh, that was written uh, 150 years ago probably. Um, and. Uh, so, uh, again, uh, that uh, the idea uh, came from him. Right now I can't think of the, uh, of the guy's name, uh, but uh, it's a great little book uh, that you can pick up uh, and expands on these way more than, uh, than I'm able to do in a, in a short, uh, short little sermon. Uh, but uh, the Bible points out something here uh, that is, um, it, it's almost overlooked, I think, uh, in the whole resurrection story. Uh, it says that when, uh, verse 6 says, uh, Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and him uh, is John, and went into the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. And so they come into the tomb and they see uh, the wrappings uh, that had been on the body uh, of Jesus. And I think uh, for most of us, even today, uh, in the excitement of the resurrection, in discussing uh, the resurrection, it's easy uh, to be here, uh, maybe like uh, Peter and John and some of the other disciples, to run in and run out. Uh, you know, there was no body there, and so uh, that, that's the exciting thing uh, in the Easter story, that uh, you run into the tomb and there's no, uh, no body, that uh, Christ has uh, been resurrected, and so uh, we get caught up in that, and, and rightfully so. That's uh, an exciting, uh, eternity-changing event, uh, but that little fact of the clothes, the grave clothes uh, being uh, left behind uh, is an important part uh, of the testimony uh, of the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. And uh, let me take just a moment uh, and and, uh, describe something here for you that uh, I kind of need to uh, lay out, I think, as we move forward talking about this uh, because, again, their uh, practices would have been so different uh, than you and I today. Uh, when someone passes away today, uh, you know, we go and we go through their existing clothes and we pick out, you know, if it's a lady, we pick out her favorite dress or one she liked to wear or, uh, you know, a man, we might, you know, might have to go buy him a suit. Uh, you know, only suit he's ever had on in his life, uh, you know, that uh, we put the poor fellow in. Uh, and uh, we, we, you know, we go get him something like that. But, you know, uh just from television, uh that funerals were different in that day. not D- different the difference in the grave. Uh most of them again were in uh in, in caves in the wall and they would roll a stone uh in front uh of that cave. Uh but the burial uh was also different. They would take uh in particular Jews uh would take many uh many Countries, many cultures would uh, cremate. Even in uh, that time, Jews didn't uh, didn't do that. They would take the body, and they would take it down, they would uh, place it on a board, and they would uh, wash the body, clean the body. In the case uh, of Christ, after uh, crucifixion and the beatings, it would have been a bloody uh, bloody uh, scene. <coughs> and so they would clean the body, and, and then they would take. And uh, this is not ideal, uh, but I- I'm going to use an image that, uh, that-, that most of us uh, can probably identify with and I can move on quickly. Uh, the easiest way to describe it was they would wrap the body uh, much like you'd see the mummy uh, in a monster movie. Uh That's the simplest way, uh, a little more to it than that, uh, but uh, in the method they used. But that's the simplest way uh, to put it. And then they would take uh, a napkin, a separate cloth, and, and lay over the person's face. And lay them uh, in these caves. It would usually be, again, for a, for a lack of a good word, but one that would uh, be familiar to us, uh, would be in these caves. There would usually be family tombs. Uh, and, and there would be like shells t- into the rock uh, in, in these caves, and they would put the body uh, on that tomb. And so when the disciples come in, what they found uh, was that, again, uh, not accurate completely, but it's an image I think that all of us can wrap our minds around and uh, ha pun there, wrap, talk, get it? Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, well, you know, that we can all get our minds around uh, is the idea of uh, the mummy, uh, the cloth that would have been wrapped uh, around And That's important, that those strips of cloth would have been uh, wrapped, and they would start, uh, just real quickly, they would would wrap around the chest, uh, and then they would come back and put the arms down and wrap uh, the arms uh, down as well. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend eternity with my arms tied down. I you know uh, I need to be able to move my arms around. Uh, you yeah. know, and so uh, but that was the way, and it just wrapped the whole body and. Uh, uh, that, uh, that manner. And so that's what the disciples find. Now, let's talk about the significance, uh, of that for just a moment, uh, and what that, uh, what that means. Now that, uh, that, that I've got you flashing back to all the old monster movies you've watched, uh, all your life, and for some that's good, some that's bad, uh, but, um, let's talk for a minute uh, about, uh, what this means. Uh, again, this is uh, the, the fact uh, uh, of, this, uh, of, of this miracle uh, that took place. Uh, th- th- these, bi- these cloths that were left behind uh, were not something that was just um, random. Uh, I want you, one of the things I, I hope you began to see as we've looked at these six miracles is that nothing that went on uh, during the crucifixion uh, was random. Nothing that went on during the crucifixion was accidental. Uh, nothing during the crucifixion caused God to go. Wow! Didn't see that one. Uh, you know, every bit of it—the earthquake, the darkness, the rocks being—everything that went on was there for a purpose. Uh, was in control of God and was there. Uh, for uh, a message there uh, to prove something, to say something. And these uh, grave clothes uh, are the same way. Uh, that They aren't just a uh, necessity uh, of the burial. Uh, they aren't just a, oh, by the way, uh, these grave clothes, uh, as we're going to see, are uh, an important uh, piece of the story uh, of the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, As uh, we uh, look at this story, uh, there's a reason, again, really the first nine verses of John here uh, really spin around this whole idea uh, that the center theme of them uh, is the, these grave clothes. Uh, God devoted nine verses of the resurrection story in the Gospel of John to talk about uh, these grave clothes uh, that uh, were there. And as we, uh, you know, one of the interesting things, uh, some, some point out, uh, and just let me cover this real quick, that Matthew doesn't mention them. Matthew doesn't say anything about the great clothes. Well, uh, you've got to remember the Gospels as you read the Gospel account. Uh, gospel accounts are much like, let's say, when we leave church today, uh, that there's a wreck out here uh, on, the highway, on the road in front, of, uh, in, in front of the church here, out on Poplar Tent Road. And, and if you ask... If you were to come back tomorrow uh, and ask, and and you were to ask Nancy, what did you see at the wreck? Nancy would say, I saw, and I'm just, Nancy would say, I saw a red car hit a blue car. You know, you ask, uh, you know, you ask Jeff over here, and he might say, well, I saw a guy uh, in a suit, uh, you know, obviously coming from church, who got hurt pretty bad. You know, you ask, Gabby, what she saw, and she might say nothing. You know, uh, you, just, you know, I, I, I saw, I saw my grandkids over here in the backyard. You know, it, it doesn't mean that any of those people are wrong. You're just getting different accounts uh, of what uh, what someone saw. And so Matthew, and he has a whole different reason uh, for writing. But John here makes an important thing for another reason. Uh, if you think about it, John was there. Uh, you know, John was the one who witnessed and saw. He was the one uh, who went in and, and saw uh, these uh, these empty grave clothes uh, that were still uh, laying there. And, and so as uh, Matthew relates his story, John has a different purpose. John has a different purpose. And so uh, he presents for us to begin with uh, an image uh, that is, Uh, Again, and I've already described this to some extent, uh, an important piece of this story. And and, and I really want to get this image uh, in your head. (coughs) Uh, uh, I know it may be somewhat uh, gruesome to think about, uh, but good. Uh, You you need to think about crucifixion was gruesome. It it was horrible. Uh, The choir sang, if that isn't love. Uh, But this image that John... Uh, presents here uh, is one uh, that is uh, important uh, in, in, in this story. That as they go, um, and, and, and you can see, I want to point out, uh, you'll notice something here. Uh, I mentioned two different people seeing different things. Peter and John uh, both ran to the tomb. I don't know what that is, but I'll take it. Uh, Aaron, uh, Peter and John both run, and they run in the tomb, And uh, they run in, and they both see the same thing. But when they get in, the Bible says, uh, basically that Peter ran back out, but it says John believed. John. John believed. And so two people in the exact same place saw the same thing and had two different uh, responses to to what they saw. And so as they run in, uh, she tells them. Now, remember the women went to the tomb first. And they go in and they find that the body uh, is missing. That the body is missing. And so the ladies come back. Mary comes back and she tells them her opinion uh, of what she thought had happened. She says, I believe that someone, his enemies, have stolen his body. When they hear that, Peter and John jump up and they run And they uh, go to the tomb. The Bible says here that they stooped down, and they looked in, and saw the linen clothes uh, lying, yet went not in. (laughs) But Peter, it says, goes following him, went on the sepulcher, and seeth the linen clothes, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then John goes in. And the Bible says, he saw and believed. Now I've told you the process for the burial. What we have described here uh, now is this image. Again, they wrapped them like monkeys. All I know to describe them. And they would put a cloth over their face the Bible says that when it talks about the napkin that was rolled or folded uh, depends on uh, what's, where you look you'll see that word translated different ways the napkin that was over his face was neatly folded or rolled and, and set down in a set place the rest of the cloth again remember how I told you they would do it they would take and they would wrap a person from down their chest, and they would come back, and then they would wrap their arms and wrap them you know, all the way down. What they found, uh, what you would expect to find if someone had stolen the body was one of two things. No grave corpse. Somebody would have went into the if they were going to steal the body, and remember, this is a tomb that was guarded by Roman soldiers. With the, with the seal of, uh, 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 of the governor at the gate, that means at the rock, that if you broke it, you could be executed. You wouldn't have went in there and dilly-dallyed around. Dilly-dally, that's a Greek word you'll find it in the book of Hebrews. Uh, they, they wouldn't have went in and goofed off. What would they have done if they were going to steal the body? They'd have grabbed it up, threw it over their shoulder, grave clothes and all, and run out the door. <coughs> or, let's presume that once they wrapped those bodies, they would begin to pack them in spices and oils to keep, keep them from sinking. I and mean, that's just the only way I know to put it. And so they would add a lot of weight to it. Let's assume that the fellow that stole the body was a little fellow, or he's by himself. Would he, how would, I hate to say this about anybody dead, in particular my Savior, but if I'm stealing the body, and I can't carry it, grave clothes and all, I'm grabbing the end of that cloth, and I'm spinning him like a top of Christmas. 'Cause there's Roman guards in the yard. I'm cranking a lawnmower. <laughs> yeah. And when I leave, there's gonna be what? There's gonna be this <coughs> anybody here ever anybody I mean, how can I say this? Anybody here ever seen anybody's yard get rolled with toilet paper? I didn't ask you if you did it. I said, have you toilet paper everywhere? That's what it would have looked like in that tomb, right? I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to be I've just been realistic. You steal the whole body, or you unroll it like a top. Let's assume he wasn't really dead. And he woke up. One of a couple of answers would have taken place. He comes out of the tomb looking like the mummy in the movie, right? Mm. Right? Or he wakes up and goes, (coughs) and busts grave clothes everywhere. (coughs) In none of those circumstances would you expect to find the cloth that had been over his face neatly folded, laying in a corner. Robert wouldn't have taken it. That's like somebody breaking in your house and loading the dishwasher, folks. <laughs> then they may walk by and think it needs to be loaded, but they're not going to do it. That's like somebody breaking in and vacuuming your floors. You know, it just doesn't happen. This clock, now, But what really the point of it, and and that's just the the mask, the cloth over his face. But what the image that John paints here is not of grave clothes that have been off the body. They're not of missing grave clothes, obviously. What the image that John gives here is of grave clothes that Jesus had been laying on the shelf where his friends and family had placed the body. And at some point (laughs) over that weekend, at some point on that third day, Jesus just came up out of the claws. And the claws just laid down. Just laid down right where they were. They didn't unwrap. They weren't mangled and disturbed. They weren't messed up. They just didn't hold a body anymore. The image that John gives us is that when John and Peter ran into that that tomb, when the women came to the tomb, when they came, they looked, and on that shelf, still perfectly wrapped, were all the cloths, all those things. And over in the corner was a a, a napkin that had been on his face, folded up and placed in a specific, specific place. That's the image that John wants us to see. That's what John wants us to know about what he saw. And again, I want to point out to all these things, there is nowhere in history... Biblically or extra-biblically. Nowhere in history. And all these things were widely distributed. People read these. People saw these accounts. People knew what the disciples had written. And nowhere in history do we read anything that says, Oh no, that's not true. Nobody disputes the accuracy. Not even the Romans. Not even the Jews. Not even the pagans. Nothing. Disputes the earthquake. Nothing disputes the darkness. Nothing disputes what John saw in that tomb. Listen, John wants us to see that as we look at it, again, it is the main focus of nine verses of Scripture, that when they came into that tomb, the only thing missing, the only thing changed, was the body was gone. Some of y'all are acting like y'all hear stuff like that every day. Some of y'all are sitting there looking at me like, "Big deal." It's it's a big deal. It matters. He came up, and, and the clothes are not disturbed. They're not destroyed. They're not missing. Tells us how important it is. You see the image. Now let's look at the impression. All of this makes a major impression on John. Look what it says. Fear runs in, sees it runs out. The women run in, they come, and they say somebody stole the body. John saw the call. Here's why I know it's important. Because it was important enough that when John saw, it says... He believed. He believed what? What did John believe? John believed what the women said. Remember, the women came and said somebody stole the body. Is that what John believed? Did John believe? You know, they're right. I, I believe somebody stole the body. Is that what what, what John believed? You know that, that uh, you know that, that somehow. Uh, not it, it interesting that? God doesn't see the need to tell us what it was John believed. Just John believed. And we by instinct know what John believed. With no question. When you read that passage, when you read that statement, you don't go, What did John believe? You know what John believed. You know, without thinking about it, that John believed that Jesus Christ had been resurrected. That Jesus Christ was no longer there. That He hadn't been stolen. That that nobody had performed some weird event. But that Jesus Christ had been resurrected. It was... The arrangement of the clothes. <clears throat> it would have been the the the, the likelihood. I tell you what. Anybody who thinks that somehow this was some arrangement, some. Um, something that someone performed in stealing the Body, i tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go on the way home from church. I want you to go by your friendly neighborhood drugstore, whichever one you choose. And I want you to buy a roll of golf. And then I want you to go home and try to wrap the arm of a four-year-old. Those of you in here who are in nursing or parents know what I'm talking about. You know, it's amazing <laughs> how easy they can make it look in a doctor's office. Yeah. You know, I've had the misfortune of a couple surgeries and different things, and those, you know, therapists and stuff come in, they get out there. <laughs> Well, oh, I can do that when I get home. I'll unwrap it and look at it. I might need to doctor on it myself, you know. Um, and then you try to wrap it back up, and you know they told you don't unwrap it. I got to come back in three days for a checkup, and you walk in and they look at, me, did you unwrap it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's on the wrong arm, but no, <laughs> you know, no, I didn't do it. Do you know how next to impossible it would be to take grave clothes and wrap them up? Let me put it this: way. Not only grave clothes, but already used grave clothes that have already been old and spiced. Do you know how difficult it would be to re-wrap them, to unwrap with a Roman guard outside, to unwrap the body, get the body out, Put the claws and wrap them back up, and make it look like somebody had just come up out of those claws. Let me tell you. Some of you've heard the story before. Years ago, and not, within the first few years of being made, I got the bright idea one day. Convinced my wife she'd been left behind. And so I took my clothes, my shoes, my shirt, my pants, my underwear, my socks, everything, and I put them on the bed and I laid them out with a book like this, like I'd been laying on the bed reading, And Jesus had come, and I left and left my book behind. And then I hid in the closet the watch. I'm not suggesting that. Because I probably hid after church today, and that's been 30 years. Can I tell you, just trying to get regular old clothes to lay and look like somebody come up out of them is almost impossible. Anybody tried to ever try to make a like a dummy for Halloween or something? And stuffed? It's almost impossible. John knew. Nobody rewrapped those clothes. John knew. That's why it says, and it's just simply two words report John's opinion. John's reaction to those clothes. He believed. What a... As I read that and I think about it, I don't even know how to react to that. Grave clothes still left behind to me deserve a little bit more than two words. He believed and they moved on. But that was the change, the impression that it left on John. That as he saw those, he knew it was inconceivable to him that that body had been stolen. It was inconceivable to him. Think about that for a moment. When John ran into that tomb, the only thing that made sense to him was the thing that made the least sense to him. Dead people don't get up and leave their clothes. That was the, only, the thing that made the least sense to John was the only thing that made any sense to John. In fact, suddenly everything that Jesus had taught, everything that Jesus had said for the last three years, ta-da, John got it. I think when it says he believed and left it at that, is the reason it only says, that it doesn't say he believed Jesus was risen, or it doesn't give any, is that John believed everything. All these things he would heard for the last three years, all these things he had heard about destroying the temple, all he had heard about coming to do the will of the Father, all he had heard about uh, obedience and servanthood, all those things. In one instance, the resurrection turned on the light. That's what the resurrection of Jesus Christ does. When you understand and you realize and you come to accept the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's like I've heard Tommy talk about the Bible, the scales falling off your eyes. And all of a sudden you can see. As John saw these clothes, he was transformed. He believed. Why? What's the difference here? Now, Peter runs in, and he sees the exact same thing. But he did not believe. Now, nothing's said about, about Peter. The Bible, in fact, the Bible says, if you look in Luke chapter 24, where Luke records this event, he says, "...arose Peter, ran to the sepulcher, stooping down, beheld the linen cloths, laid by themselves, and departed." Wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. Peter left confused. John left believing. Again, makes it clear what John believed. That John believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. It transformed John to the point where he says, I believe. My life has happened. Listen, what had happened? That body had came up out of that tomb, out of those claws, and left the claws laying there just as they had been placed. And John knew there was only one explanation. There was only one way that could have possibly happened. Listen, if the friends of Jesus again had taken it, they would have taken the claws off. If they did, they wouldn't have placed them back so neatly. John knew. John knew. There was no question in his mind. Listen, John knew. What did, he, what did he believe? He believed in that moment that Jesus had really died. He believed in that moment that Jesus had died for his sins. He believed in that moment that Jesus had been resurrected from the dead. He believed in that moment in the possibility, in the potential. All of a sudden, the darkness, the earthquake, the shout, the stones moving, the graves opening, all of a sudden, every bit of it made sense. and He believed. He believed. In a, sec- in a moment, in that instant. And then finally, I want you to see the instilled proofs. <coughs> Notice, and i got to point this out, I've already mentioned it a moment again. History lines up with what John saw. Nobody questions, nobody questions that, what, what, you know, nobody questioned where Jesus really died. Nobody questioned that he was buried. Nobody questioned. Everybody agrees with that. Nobody. There's no argument. Yeah. There's no record of, of the Jews of that time going, no, 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 no. Go read the book of Acts. When Peter stands up and preaches at Pentecost, and talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Jews were there. None of them stood up and said, No, 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 that's not the way it happened. There's no history books that are written that give us an alternative, an optional plan B other than what John believes. There's nothing that points to anything else. Again, it was obvious that this, again, I've already talked about it, it's obvious. Even the most devout critic of the gospel can't argue with the fact that there's no way, there's no other explanation for those grave cloths than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's no other way to explain it. Nothing else may, makes any reasonable it's even reasonable and so the only question left for us today is are we like John will we believe or will we be like Peter was on this day Peter obviously later changed his mind but will you leave and go out those doors wondering Wonder. Doubt. Here's the challenge for you this morning. I've given you my explanation, my view of those undisturbed grave clothes and that neatly folded napkin that was laying on the side. And I've told you that the only conclusion, the only reasonable conclusion that I can come to is that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, just like the Bible said. That's my assessment. That is my conclusion from the facts presented. If you think that's wrong, then let's hear your explanation. What else could have possibly happened? Either the biblical account is right. And this morning, you need to accept that a biblical account and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart as Lord and Savior, because the biblical account proves that Jesus Christ, loved you as the choir sang a moment ago, if that isn't love, that Jesus Christ loved you enough to go to a cross, die for your sins, was buried, stayed in the tomb three days, and was resurrected from the dead so that you might have salvation, that you might have eternal life, and you might spend eternity in heaven with God the Father. Amen. Or you've got to come up with a better answer. You've got to come up with plan B. I want to ask you to bow your head this morning. Our musicians are going to come. People in this room, people joining us online, that you have no question, you have no doubt that you've been saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. You have no doubt what those grave clothes mean. You know those grave clothes mean that Jesus Christ died for you. You know those grave clothes mean that he rose again. Those grave clothes tell us we can depend, we can count on, we can be sure of the return of Jesus Christ to gather his people. I want to invite you this morning to come and a kneel as we go into this Easter week and thank him, to praise him, for that gift, for that sacrifice. Most of all, if you're here today and you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, you're joining us online. You've never asked Him into your heart. I want to invite you this morning to come. Let's show you from God's Word how you can be saved today. Those grave clothes prove that Jesus Christ died and was resurrected on the third day for your sin. If you don't believe that, you give me a better explanation. They show us how Jesus Christ means for a person to get to heaven, that He is the way, the only way that no man comes to the Father. If you don't believe that, what's your plan? This morning you need Jesus. Would you come? Let me show you from God's Word how you can be saved. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, for the opportunity to stand and proclaim. Ah. <clears throat> for the opportunity today to stand and proclaim the grand news that people. there are Christians in this building. We need to praise you, thank you, glorify you for that transformation that He's made in their life. God, there are people watching, there are people gathered who don't know Christ. We need to come and ask him into their life today. God, we, we need to show their hearts. And we to do the glory for us, which is Jesus. Amen.